Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, we launch a new series this morning, as you can see, No Ordinary Hope. Uh, let me, you guys fare all right through the storm? Everybody Okay. Now, see, if you're not, you need to write it on one of those cards and let us know so that we know about this. If you need some help or something like that, let us know. For some of us that lived in the unincorporated areas of Horry County, uh, when it came time, like, to want to get to the ocean, um, <laughs> it was very difficult. They wouldn't let you back in to the city limits or, uh, you know, they, you had to live within Myrtle Beach proper in order to get back in, and the same was true in some of the other uh, cities up and down, or towns up and down the beach, and can you imagine uh, that you were a part of this church, and that you'd been a part for 19 years, you helped start this church, you were, you were pouring into it, serving in it, maybe serving on leadership in some place, and then this storm called Matthew comes along. You live outside the city limits, and they told you you had to bail, you had to get out of town. And so you left thinking, they're going to let me right back in so I can get back to my church. But when you come to the city limits, they say, oh, no, you're not coming back in yet. And so weeks go by, months go by, years go by because the officials will not let you back in. Finally, they say, okay, you can come back in. You come back to the church that you love, and it is totally filled with only Myrtle Beachians. <laughs> I mean, only the people who live within Myrtle Beach proper, and they have taken it. They are leading it. They are just, but you come in, you go, what's going on with this? I don't have a say like I used to. Now the place has changed on me. Well, I tell you that because this is the setting over in the book of Romans in the New Testament. Uh, They didn't have a storm, but they did have an emperor. And this emperor told them around 49 uh, A.D. that, hey, every Jew has to get out of the city of Rome. Every Jewish Christian has to get out of Rome. Leave now. You're causing too much trouble. I don't want you here. Get out. And so the church in Rome was founded by the Jewish Christians. Well, all of a sudden, they are expelled out of their city and they are not allowed to come back. Well, what does that leave in the church? Non-Jews, Gentiles, right? So the Gentiles take on the church, and they continue on with the church. And so, you know, a few years later, the emperor backs up, and he lets the Jews come back to Rome, and the Jewish Christians come back, and the Jewish Christians find their church changed. Now the Gentiles are in charge of their wonderful church that they started. We're going to be over in Romans 15 and the 13th verse today as we launch this series. We'll be in this for about the next five weeks or so. Then we hit our Christmas stride. And um, I tell you that the gospel itself, having been preached by Paul for 25 years now, the great apostle Paul, he's been doing this for quite some time. He's found a moment in his life and in his ministry where he can relax. He's in Corinth. He's taken up an offering, and he wants to take it to Jerusalem for the Christians there. And then he wants to go by Rome, and he wants to take his fourth missionary journey to Spain. He wants to take the gospel to Spain. And so he's writing to the Roman church, because since the Jewish Christians have come back to the church after they were 
exiled, so to speak. There has been a little bit of trouble between the Jew, the Jewish believer, and the Gentile believer. Imagine that. Problems of diversity and getting along in the church. And so Paul is writing this letter because of that. A very appropriate letter for our time, I think. Uh, it, the letter is being written to uh, say there are, there are those who are strong in the church and there are those who are weak in the church. Those who are strong should, you know, you should not force what you believe uh, on the weak, that you should have mercy for the weak and you should welcome them, you should serve them. And so he's, you know, he's telling uh, the Jews and the Gentiles to get along in this church. But the centerpiece of all of the book of Romans is the gospel. It drives everything that Paul does, and it drives this whole issue of being able to live out what God has done for us, and that is reconciliation. God has reconciled us to himself in Jesus Christ, and now he is reconciling the world what to himself, but he's also reconciling us to one another. You see, that's where it really, where the rubber really hits the road, isn't it? It's when we have to live with each other and love one another the way Christ loves us. And so Paul writes this letter, and these are the issues that he's dealing with. Like I said, he's been doing this for 25 years now. He's in Corinth. It's a bit of a lull uh, for his ministry. He's able to think, and he wants to plan out his, his days as he's gotten older, and he wants to go to Spain, and he wants to continue to preach the gospel. But he's got to get this straight in Rome first. So let's read this chapter. Let's read uh, our, this verse, Romans 15, 13. It, it's a blessing, really. It's the blessing that he speaks to the church. And, and so we want to kind of bless one another by saying it together. Can we do that? And, and think of this if you were looking at one another this morning and you wanted to bless them. Let's say it. Ready? Here we go. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we ask your blessing on your word this morning. Uh, thank you that you have brought us through a storm. And thank you that we're able to gather today and to celebrate and worship together. Thank you, Lord, for the hope that we have in you. Now, would you just breathe life on your word? Cause it to come to life so that we can understand it. And it can also fuel our life as your followers. Come do your blessed work in our lives, God is. We do hunger to be all that you have called us to be. So come Holy Spirit. Give me the gift of teaching this morning. Guide us and direct us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, because of the storm, you don't have a fill-in. Some of you may even have uh, happy birthday on the back of it or happy 19th, which a couple of weeks ago was our 19th church birthday. And so because uh, we couldn't get supplies and such as we should, if you want to write this down, you can. I always have a fill-in each week, usually three. And if you'd like to write it down, here's the first thing I want us to notice about this verse this morning, and that is that God is the source of hope and the object of our hope. He's the source of hope and the object of our hope. May the God of hope fill you. The God of hope fill you. Hope is this anticipation of, uh, of like good events to come, of good things. It's never meant to be vague. It's never meant to be fearful, this type of hope that is mentioned here. It, it, it is a steady, reassuring uh, 
anticipation of good. Something good is going to happen. And uh, our hope is not just that things will change. But our hope as followers of Jesus is in God. Is in Him. So He's the source of our hope. He is the object of our hope. And also He is the source of whatever hope we have available to us. The reason that this hope is no ordinary hope is because Jesus rose from the dead. <laughs> I mean, you know, some of us, you feel like you're dying, right? And you will one day. And, uh, you know, but, but see, here's where we have no ordinary hope. Our hope is not ordinary because it doesn't just rest in a wishful thinking that things will be different in the future. Our hope is... Not just a premise, but it is a confident waiting on the hope that we see when Jesus walked out of that tomb. When he walked out of that tomb, that said to us, we have a hope that's different than any other hope. That no matter what comes into our lives, no matter what happens to our lives, our hope transcends that situation. If it wasn't for Jesus and it wasn't for this Amazing, wonderful thing of of his resurrection, him being the son of God, paying the price for our sins. The only hope we would have is just a wishful thinking that, okay, God, I hope tomorrow's better. I hope tomorrow's better. And I know that we pray like that. I pray like that sometimes, don't you? You Like I just, I hope this turns out. I hope this works out. And certainly God loves to hear you pray and talk like that to him. I do it. I have my hopes and, uh, and we have our fears. But this hope that we're launching into for the next few weeks is not like that hope that is there for a moment and then our emotions flood through us and we go, I'm not as hopeful as I used to be. It's, it's a hope that is founded in God himself and he is the source of that hope for us. That's, a, that's no ordinary hope. That's no everyday hope. That is a hope that transcends our age, transcends our health it transcends whatever is going on in our lives and it transcends whatever will go on in our lives and so Paul is talking to the Gentiles and the Jewish Christians there and he's saying you have a common hope those of you who are Jews who you're still trying to live by the law a bit but you're trying to be obedient all but then the Gentiles who know nothing of this This law that you guys live by, you both have this one hope, and that is Christ. He has fulfilled the law, and your hope should be in him, and it comes from him. And so, God is the source of hope, and he is the object of hope. Let me read a couple of scriptures here. One is 1 Peter 3 through 4. says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into what? A living hope. You ever had your hope die on you? Like I just, I used to have hope things would change, but I don't anymore. Listen to this. Into a living hope. How? Through the resurrection. There's only one that's done that, you know, one. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into what? That's right. You've been given this, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, Or fade. Do you get this? That is no ordinary hope. That is no ordinary time. Situations. Things that come along and buffet us. 
They do not spoil. They do not fade this hope that comes to us in Jesus Christ. Each time we may feel like our hope is, is waning and, and our hope is like we just don't have it. I have, a, I have a, my son brought me a cross from China and a coin from China. And the, and the coin's really old and it's got a hole through the middle of it. So I took the cross. Another friend made me a, some prayer beads and another pastor. And so I took the prayer beads, I put the cross, and I put the coin with a hole in it right next to it so that it sits on my rearview mirror. And every day I look at it. It reminds me to pray, but it also, see, I see the crucifixion, but I see the open tomb. I see through that coin the value that the tomb is empty. So whenever I lose hope, I, I glance up at that when I'm driving down the road and I go, the tomb's empty. You know, it, the stone didn't have to be rolled away for Jesus to walk out of there. You know that, right? He did that so we could see it was empty. That's why. He wasn't going, let me out, let me out. You know, it wasn't like that, you know. Because just a few days later, right, it's like, I'm risen. You know, it's no. He, a few days later, he's walking through walls. The stone was rolled away so we could look inside and say, see, he's not there. That is a great hope. There's no one else that offers that kind of hope. And there's no power like that hope. This is no ordinary hope. You're going to hear me say that a lot. This is no ordinary hope. In Ephesians 2, 12 through 13, Paul, same guy that wrote the Romans, says this. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. There was a time. Excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. Look at this. Without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's pretty stark and clear that without Christ you are without hope. Because this is no ordinary hope. And this hope cost God himself. It cost him his son to give you this hope. And so, I don't know where you are this morning in your life, but these are the words from the scripture that reveal my heart. It says, do you remember when you were like that? I'm like, yeah, I do. It's been a long time, but I still remember. I still remember what it was like to be estranged from God and to not have the hope that I do now that will transcend Anything that enters my life. So, this is no ordinary hope. God is the source of our hope. That's where we get this hope. He is the object of our hope. We just, we don't sit around and go, I hope I do, I hope I do, I hope I do. <laughs> you know, that's not the kind of hope it is. I mean, I do that sometimes now, as old as I am surfing. You know, I hope I can get out, I hope I can get out, I hope I can get out, I hope I can get out. <laughs> hope, 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 you know. <laughs> and just keep hoping. But uh, this is the hope that transcends if I don't make it out, right? It, it just, it transcends that getting washed up and beat, you know, the, you know what, and stuff by the waves. It just transcends any of that. It's an eternal hope. That is empowered and puts its focus on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And out of that I draw strength and I draw expectation of great things to come. It's, it's that there's a future out there still coming to us. And will come to us that goes on forever. And that is no ordinary hope. Secondly, this is your second one. That is that this hope results in an abundance of joy and peace. This hope results... And an abundance of joy and peace. 
joy and peace. That's something that when you hope your situation changes or you're wishing that it changed is sometimes uh, a very uh, elusive object, isn't it? Joy and peace because you're waiting for what you're hoping for to come true before you have the joy and peace, right? Then we get happy after we've, we get what we're hoping for. But this extraordinary hope that God gives us is not like that. This hope gives us joy and peace in the midst. Because if you, see, if you already had it, it wouldn't be a hope, right? I mean, that's the thing. You know, your hope for something. And, and so that hope is coming in Christ. Our future as followers of Jesus is great. No matter what enters our life here. The future is great. And it transcends that. So this hope results in an abundance of joy and peace. How could... I mean, there were so, there's so many stories in time. Maybe you have some of your own. But of people who have lived and are now living around the world in some horrible conditions. Uh, you know, our brothers and sisters over the world in different places are being killed for their faith. And, and there is still, in many of them, there is still this hope and there's still this peace and there's still this joy in the midst of them as they, as they wish things would be different for them. But they have a hope beyond this moment and something that is timeless and moves on. And that, again, is no ordinary hope. And that is the hope that is given to us in Jesus Christ. And in that, we have joy and we have peace. And how do you get that in the middle of that? Well, look at, this, look at the verse. May the God of hope fill you, not just give you a little bit, right? God rarely goes, here's a little bit, you know. God is a God indeed of abundance. and He gives us enough. He gives us way enough to have this hope. And to, uh, to enjoy as far as joy and peace go in whatever present situation we find. And I'm not talking about some pithy, you know, jack yourself up. I'm happy, I'm happy. No, I'm not happy, I'm not happy. You know, no, you're not happy with your situation. But deep inside, because of the resurrection of Christ, you know there is a hope beyond this moment. And there is power in that. And there is peace in that. And there is joy in that. And so the hope results in an abundance of joy. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. What? As you what? Trust in Him. As you trust in Him. There's the exchange. There's an element of trust. You can't be filled with this hope. And filled with the peace and the joy without relinquishing this amount of trust to him and going, okay, God, I trust you. Ever how this turns out, I trust you. I trust you. I have faith in you. Um, this is why these kind of things and this topic is foreign. To, if you haven't walked with God, uh, with Christ for any length of time, some of this is foreign because it just sounds so weird. It sounds like, you know, how can you have hope when things don't change? Because things will change. Maybe not now, but they're going to change. Maybe they will change too. Who knows? We have faith in someone who conquered death. Who knows what's going to happen when somebody like that in your life, right? We know the end story is a great beginning story <laughs> for all of us. So we have joy and peace in that no matter what comes to us. 
But these are the times when it's really important for us as followers of Christ to, to make sure we are serious about what they call discipleship. And that is learning about who Jesus is, how God does his work in us. Because if we don't dig deep into the soil of learning of who he is and how he has come to give us what we need in order to have this hope and this joy, then we just, it's just really odd to us and it's a mystery to us. It's very important. That's the reason we do church. One of the big reasons we do it is because we know we're better together. Helping one another, discipling one another, talking through times, encouraging one another when we're having struggles and talking about, you know, the greatness of God and the love of Jesus and how he has cleansed us and forgiven us and now he's working through us. All of that tends to build our hope in him. Then when we look at the scriptures and and when we study what's going to happen in the future and how God intervenes in the now, we our joy becomes pronounced the peace in our life grows and and if you are not serious about pursuing christ and learning those things then it can be more difficult than it has to be so it's important for our discipleship that we walk together that we study together that we dig in and we get to know this god this wonderful savior and friend who came to save us and ask us to follow him and to walk with him Just like the Jews and the Gentiles were so different in a way. And yet God calls us together to do this together. And Paul says, hey, you guys come together. Be a picture of the unity of of how Jesus came to save Jew and Gentile alike. Be be an exemplary uh, picture of that reconciliation. And the only way we can do that is together or people can't see it. And we can't grow. We can't rub each other wrong. You know, with our backgrounds and our different habits and all, and learn to get along with one another if we continue to run away. And, you know, and, and we don't grow in Christ either. We just don't. And so it's, I just want to put a push out there for small groups and for Bible studies. And why we take the Scripture serious here at the Vineyard and why we want to dig in, why we spend so much time studying it and, and trying to get to know what God is saying to us because it makes the difference in our relationship with Him. And, uh, and we, we need to be, you know, we need to be somewhat disciplined in our approach to learning to follow our Lord. And, and learning who he is so that we know with whom we're placing our hope in, our trust in. And through that, the peace of God comes to us. Your last one is this. The last feeling is this. This hope comes to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So there's your key sliding into the lock, right? You trust, you trust God, your hope is in him, and you get this hope from him. And you trust him, and then the Holy Spirit is the power it takes to unlock the door so that this hope can become alive in your life. And this, again, is a call from Paul to the Gentiles and to the Jewish believers that, look, you have a common Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know, I, I, I've told you guys before, you know, Billy Graham does not have a Holy Spirit, and you have a different one. You got this, right? I mean, it's not like, oh, Billy Graham has the Billy Graham Holy Spirit, you know, and I've got, like, the junior Holy Spirit. <laughs> not like that. It really isn't. You know, and, and I think Paul is saying to them, he's like, look, Jew, Gentile alike, you guys are brothers, sisters in Christ. And, and the way that this, where this hope comes from, for both of you, 
is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of the Gentiles and some of the Jews most likely in that he's speaking to were at were in Jerusalem at Pentecost. So they were there. They saw what happened when the Holy Spirit fell that first time. They, some of them experienced that. And Paul is making a reference back and saying, don't forget what happened to both. What happens when the Holy Spirit comes? What happens to a centurion who was not a Jew, of course. A Roman centurion, when he gets filled with the Holy Spirit. What happens to an Ethiopian eunuch? This, you know all this is in the Bible, right? I'm not making this stuff up. All right, not. And uh, it's in there. What happens to an Ethiopian eunuch once he gets, you know, once he sees the truth out of the passage of Isaiah over who Christ is and how he wants to be baptized and the Holy Spirit comes and, and then Cornelius, the centurion, and, and then Peter and James and all of them, you know. I mean, that's the Holy Spirit who comes and does his good work in us. And that is the power that unlocks this this very special hope in our life. So what can we do? What can we do? Romans eight fourteen. if you flip back a few chapters, says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God, led by the Spirit of God, are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves... So that you live in fear again. Rather the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship and daughtership. And by him we cry Abba Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You hear that? The Holy Spirit that lives in you if you are a believer can cry from your heart to God. Now. We can say that's theoretical, but I can tell you that is experiential. You can experience the cry of the Holy Spirit straight out of your heart to God the Father. And there is nothing like that. There is nothing like feeling the very presence of God and the hope of God inside of your heart crying out. When you feel at your lowest and at your most hopeless place in life and suddenly you hear the Holy Spirit within you go, Abba, Father, I come His. I'm yours. Father, be with me. And that hope and that peace and that joy can come. It's not just theoretical. It's just not some didactic teaching. Just some ink on a page. It's something meant to be experienced in your life. And it's available to you through the Holy Spirit. The presence of God that comes to rule and reign in your life. When you say, I'm yours, Jesus. I'm yours. I surrender like we were singing a minute ago. I'm yours. And the very presence of God comes to live within you. And he's there to fuel that hope. To release that hope. That no ordinary hope. Into your life. Galatians 5, 5 says. For through the spirit. We eagerly await by faith. The righteousness. For which we hope. We hope for it. We eagerly await the work of God. In our life. I have one more scripture we're going to pray. And uh, whoever the musician is up here can come up. Is that Bruce, Randy, somebody, whoever. Uh, Colossians 1, 5 through 6. Uh, if we could put that up. Yeah, let's read this. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you. Stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. You just heard it. It has come to you this morning. You've heard it. 
in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. Spring up. We used to sing an old song, Spring Up, O Well, a long time ago when I first became a Christian. I walked into a Pentecostal church. That's what, Spring Up, O Well, with my soul. Spring Up, O Well. You know, people start taking off, <laughs> taking off down the aisles. You know, man, they really believe this stuff, don't they? Okay. Uh, <laughs> but you know, it's the Holy Spirit that is in heaven and the kingdom, the presence and the fullness of Christ comes in Jesus to our lives. That hope that's stored up in heaven now comes to earth. It's a down payment in our lives right now for what is to come for eternity. Stored up in heaven for us now. That is no ordinary hope. And it's made alive through his presence, through the Holy Spirit. And it is that we have hope in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he gives us that hope. He imparts to us that hope. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. You can learn more about us and access a video archive of our messages by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel led to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or download the PushPay app on your smartphone and search for Seacoast Vineyard Church.